Hello and welcome to Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Werry, in which we hear insights and tips from leaders on how they and the teams they're a part of are creating a psychologically safe and high-performing environment. It is my aim to illuminate ways for you to increase your own levels of psychological safety in teams and how you can set up the conditions for others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the discussions. Hello and welcome. Today I am delighted to have with me Anne Costa. Anne is a creative human resource professional with over 20 years of practical experience in various industries across Australia, New Zealand and the United States. She's a learning and development and organisational development expert And she believes that leaders and managers have the opportunity to embed learning, development and a positive company culture with every decision made, whether it's big or small. Her own leadership model is one that focuses on accomplishing the goals of the organisation through the empowerment and engagement of staff. Her mission is to educate and inspire and open the doors of communication ultimately transforming employee lives at work or home for the better. She loves walking in the morning with her husband and the best dog ever, looking forward to hearing more about about the dog, Um, working out with her energised buddies and reading in the night. And lastly, being silly with her almost adult children. And what a great intro. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sheila. Very nice to be here. And I have to ask just very quickly, what sort of dog do you have? (laughs) Our dog, Buddy, because he's everybody's buddy. Yeah, he's part retriever, part Labrador and part poodle. So he's smart, intelligent and knows it. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Fabulous. So And welcome. We are now into the third series of Psychological Safety in Teams. And just as a recap for others that haven't listened to series one and two, In series one, I focused very much on psychological safety in teams. In series two, we explored how do you then cultivate psychological safety and accountability, so not losing sight of accountability while continuing to maintain psychological safety. And in this third series, what I'm looking to explore is how do we now move from Focusing on psychological safety in teams, the broadening that out to how do you ensure that you're building psychological safety across teams with key stakeholders? And so with that in mind, Anne, what I'd love to hear from you initially is, is that question, do you work to intentionally build psychological safety with your stakeholders? Is that an intentional process, both with internal and external stakeholders? Absolutely, Sheila. And it's something that I didn't even realize I was doing until I read a couple different books. And obviously, um, thinking about things, I started realizing that it was a thing. It's It's an actual title, psychological safety. And my main thing was, is just being who I am and making sure that everyone is comfortable and that people are engaged and there's open dialogue. And that can only happen if there's psychological safety. So I think it is very important. It's, it's like a second nature for me. I think with internal stakeholders, um, I think I truly want to build that inclusion. And I wanted to make sure that um, we challenge the norms and, and, you know, poke the holes at it to make sure that whatever we're doing is is working and that all people were able to contribute. 
Um, I think that's really interesting when you think about the difference between internal and external, because I still do that with external, but I think mainly I, I make sure that we're sharing a vision because external stakeholders, you want to not just build inclusion, but you wanna make sure that we're blended together, that we have a shared goal and that it's seamless. So it's quite interesting when I think about how I work with my internal and external stakeholders, pretty much the same, but I do a little bit more blending with external. Can you just expand on that a little for me? And when you say do a bit more blending, can you give me an example of what that might look like? Sure, sure. I think with the external stakeholders, one of the main things is that our third parties are like part of any organization, no matter where I've been. So I don't like it to be, oh, them and us. It's all of us working together, having a shared goal. So I'll make sure that our values are shared, same language, um, that there's inclusion, that um, everyone is at the table, has an equal opportunity to speak up, and that everyone's voice is equal. So I, I ensure that happens. So when we do something, it creates um, a really good synergy. And, and like I said, there's no us and them, it's just all of us together. So it's really a, a good blended approach um, because external stakeholders are no different than internal stakeholders. To get the job done, we all have to be present. I mean, what I'm really hearing you talk about there is that as you step into, say, a meeting with a stakeholder, whether it is internal or external, you have some real guiding principles around that, some firmly held beliefs around uh, what that conversation is going to look like, you know, beliefs around we have uh, equal voice in this and, and I need to ensure that everyone's being included. And is there anything in particular as you step into those conversations, you know, what are the key elements you keep in mind as you work to cultivate that psychological safety with those stakeholders? Yeah, great question, Sheila, because when I initially thought about this, I thought, well, what do I do? And so, of course, I go to my tried and trusted, let's write a list. What do, the thing, what do I do? And there's five things I do. I, I don't even think about it. It's just such, such a second nature. But um, yeah, there's five things that I actually do to keep things in mind, to keep things right. So I, I make it front and center making sure that everybody is feeling included. Um, everyone has that buy-in. Um, I create a speak up culture. So everybody does have that opportunity to speak up. And I do it in a way that people maybe don't necessarily have a choice because I put it out on the table. I make sure people know that I'm going to, I'm going to call their name, make sure that they do have that inclusiveness. I also talk about owning failure. I often say in meetings, um, Hey, if that didn't work, let's try something else it's all right. It's all right to fail. Um, we're going to stumble. Recently in one of my courses, I, I was saying, we're going to stumble. So why don't we just acknowledge it <laughs> and figure out what we're going to do when it happens rather than be in shock that it happens. And so I think owning the failure is pretty important. And I think also the concept of every idea matters because oftentimes when you think about sharing ideas and concepts, people don't realize it's that one idea that starts it off and before you know it, 10 ideas have been built on it. And so it's so important that everybody understands, just say your, your thing. And it could absolutely be nutty, but that nutty thing might invoke some humor that might spark somebody else's imagination. And before you know it, we've got an amazing idea and concept. And I think the fifth thing too is positive conflict. I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings and I've had to say to people, hey, you know what? I totally disagree. I don't hear where you're coming from, or maybe my favorite is, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Tell me more, because I don't know where they're coming from. I don't get it. But hey, 
I agree to disagree and I agree to be part of a conversation that may be putting me through a rabbit hole that could be good at the end or not, but agreeing that it's okay to disagree and to have that disagreement or conflict, whatever word you want to use, making sure that people get that they can do that. And I just think really, um, if you think about all five of those, it really just leads to the best way to raise up a team and to have good team performance is to raise individual performance. And you can't do that if you don't have that psychological safety where you can actually see everyone's voice mattering and and make sure that people are um, enabling them own selves to speak up. I love the, um, look, we're going to make mistakes. Let's just get it out there on the table now. That's going to happen. And yeah. positive conflict, it's almost like an anatomy, isn't it? How does positive go with conflict? And yet if you can actually frame it up like that, that's where the gold happens. I'm curious, Anne, as you find yourself in conversations with stakeholders, I do sometimes hear clients talk about how they can get kind of stuck in a position, especially if they're in a business partner role, for instance, where they are expected to have the answer or where they feel they should have the answer. So they'll come into a meeting and find themselves advocating for a view and someone is disagreeing with that view. When you find yourself in that situation, how do you stop it turning into what I would call ping pong, you know, over someone advocates, someone advocates back and you're not actually having a dialogue, a useful conversation? Yeah, you know, that's a really good one, because how do you stop that ping pong, like you said, and I bring it back to the basics. Let's just let's just pause and let's just go back to what we do know. So before we had that conflict. Where did that start? What, what information do we have? Uh, where do we all agree? And then where does that thread stop agreeing? And then go to that and find out, is it a value? Um, is it a policy? Is it a procedure? Is it just likes and dislikes? And really kind of root it out because once you have a disagreement, it's really the question of where is that disagreement and finding out why it is that you're disagreeing. I, I think that really helps the whole conversation because you're right. If you're ping-ponging back and forth, there's not real conversation. There's no real dialogue. And really what you're doing is just advocating your perspective. And before you know it, that's going to get heated and you don't need that. Yeah. Another guest that I spoke to used such a fabulous expression, which was to have those conversations, whether it's a disagreement or wherever it might be, but to do it in a way where it sustains the connection between us. I just, mm. I just love that expression. And it's really, you know, what you're talking about is that sustaining the connection needs to be there, but then everything else can occur around it. Right. Uh, you know, whether that right. is disagreement or mistakes or whatever it might be. Yeah, fabulous. Mm. The main thing is you think about that, Anne, as you reflected on that and came up with those sort of nice five points that we can all kind of um, hold on to. It's such a great framework there. Um, are there any key benefits that you've noticed if you've done that? No, absolutely. You know, I, I like the first thing is, is you're seeing what's really there by actually having everyone in the dialogue and everyone talking and everyone participating, like fully participating. You can see what's really going on there because everybody's voicing what's the thinking, what's happening. And so you get some honesty some real truth there. And then from there, you get people talking because they have a sense of belonging. You have an inclusive mindset. You know, if everybody feels inclusive and they can be honest, then you've created a positive environment and just everything goes from there. And, and for me, you know, creating, um, 
creating that environment really talks to um, the team having the belief that their work truly matters. And when I was thinking of this, I kind of um, was thinking, how can I put this together in a thought? And I was just thinking, you know, psychology, uh, psychological safety um, allows for inclusion, which creates diversity, which, you know, facilitates performance. And, and I think that to me is, is where it is, like where the truth of this is, like, why is it we're doing this? Why do we care? And, and what's the key benefits? It's because we want to truly perform individually and we want to perform as a group, as a team, as a company. Um, and to do that, we need to have that collaboration and collaboration doesn't happen if we don't feel psychologically safe and don't have that sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think one of the things that I find myself talking a lot about is the idea that psychological safety isn't the end goal. I spend so much time talking about it that sometimes, you know, people can lose sight of that. The end goal is the end goal, you know, whether that's a particular outcome or performance or, yeah. um, you know, a particular KPI that needs to be met. But, uh, and I'm really hearing you talk through that in, in those key benefits, you know, essentially what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say on, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that psychological safety is the foundation that then lifts up through inclusion and diversity up to then creating that high performance standard. Oh, absolutely. And, and if, if people disagree with that, then just look at how complacent people are, because they don't feel like they have a voice. And have you ever been in a meeting where it's completely quiet? Who's oh, waiting yeah. through there? Crickets. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and the one voice getting through there. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it, yes, that's right. And that certainly doesn't lead to high performance. It might lead to a fast outcome, you know, and if you all need to get out of the building fast, someone sort of, you know, be, taking a directive, move down the stairs quickly, then of course, that's a perfect example of when you do want to have a more of a monologue. But generally, that's not going to be the most useful way to get to an outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you talk about that and the, the challenges, tickets being one of them in meetings, what would you say are some of the key challenges that you've noticed, Anne? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that, Sheila, because people, people are a challenge <laughs> because people, people are going to run away with this idea, right? Oh, okay, I can speak. Everybody has a voice. And so some people, when you'd say you have a voice and you're equal, well, now all of a sudden they might see it as equal to be destructive. <laughs> they could be constructive, but they also could be destructive. And, and some people don't like change. That's another element. Um, they like it how, how it's always been, you know, the most expensive words in business, why are you doing something? Because we've always done it that way. And, and some people just truly can't get um, the understanding that change happens every day and, and change is, ev is underfoot with everything we do. And which is really funny because when people go, oh no, we've done it this way, we're comfortable with this. So people generally, they're a challenge because they can really be, um, be on that same train and, and be happy to be with it and have that buy-in. But there might be a couple that don't have that buy-in. And I always think about it like on a boat. Um, you know, if you're rowing a boat, everybody's supposed to be rowing the boat in the same direction. But ultimately, um, when, when you talk about psychological safety, you have predominantly everybody facing the right direction, the same direction. But then you have people in the middle that they're not sure which direction to go. And then you might have that one or two facing the opposite direction. So that's kind of how it is with buy-in, with everything, but especially so with psychological safety. And I think there's two other parts to it too. Policies and procedures, 
Um, how adaptive are they? Are they like living organisms? Um, have they really weathered time well? And then, um, then that whole leadership component. Are leaders walking the talk or are they just talking? And I think those are the key challenges really of psychological safety and building a team that embraces this concept so they can have that ultimate performance. And earlier on, I heard you say in terms of pesky people <laughs> is um, to actually be challenging respectfully, but to say, please do speak up. I will be calling on you. So that's one example where I've heard you kind of mitigate that challenge, so to speak. And I seem to recall you saying in a previous conversation around asking people to put their cameras on, for instance, oh, yes. um, and so on. You know, that's, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else in terms of those points you've made there around people or policies and procedures and then encouraging leaders to walk the talk and get buy-in um, that you have noticed worked well in, in the face of that challenge? I think when you get everybody on board, it works really well. And I would say maybe maybe it's kind of like getting at least 60 or 70% on board. And then that rush of people get on board and they influence the others to get on board. I, I think that really is helpful. You know, at the, going back to the camera thing, I think we're all finished with Zoom, right? But um, once you take off the cameras, there's no accountability and there's no real way of understanding somebody. You know, body language accounts for so much. You can tell if somebody's enthusiastic on a topic or whether somebody is bored out of their minds. And it's really important when you're having a conversation or a meeting to make sure that everybody's on point. And so um, I, I just think when you when you think about psychological safety and, and how to make it work, um, for me, those are some elements that somewhere between challenging and, and how things are working, um, you know, that buy-in, I think that's the big, that's a big element of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing you kind of talk through when you talk about things like meetings and people being bored. There's a great example right there, isn't it? When I'm working with teams, I will talk to them about their meeting processes and actually ask them, are they relevant or are they boring? And how are you filling up the agenda? How are you, are people clear right from the outset of the meeting in terms of what the expectation is in this meeting. Those kinds of things, I think, can sort of mitigate uh, some, of those, some of those challenges. Absolutely. And I think it's funny when people say, oh, this meeting's a complete waste of time. Then why are we doing it? And they're like, what do you mean, why? And I'm like, then why are we doing it? <laughs> because if it's wasting yeah. your time and my time, can we not do math? If we all have yeah. an hourly wage, I could reduce all of us to hourly wage. So we're spending thousands of dollars to do what? Yeah. And yeah. the piece you brought up earlier around accountability, Anne, if that person's saying this is a waste of time, then let's hear from you in terms of what would you suggest would be a better way to run this meeting? You know, I think it's so great to give back that accountability yeah, um, in a productive way. I think that then leads us nicely, Anne, into I always like to finish with asking my guests for three top tips. So do you have three top tips for the listener in terms of how do they continue to build psychological safety, not only within their team, but also across teams with their stakeholders? Absolutely. You know, three R's, relationships, reputation, and results. Um, relationships, create honest relationships. Start with trust. And sometimes you have to give it out before you get some, <laughs> you know, be vulnerable, be honest. 
go out of your way um, to learn about their perspective and understanding that um, maybe not everybody has the same perspective, but you can still work together and be together and, and be a team cohesive together. So building those relationships and, you know, like I said, reputation, it's really important to build reputation as open, inclusive and diverse. And that means you actually have to do actionables that people see that you're open. You don't just say it and then stay behind a closed door that you actually go out and you talk to people, you share stories, you put people on that journey with you and that you're inclusive. And, and that doesn't mean that you agree with everything and everyone, but you just say, hey, everybody's viewpoint's welcome here. And it's almost like having a mat at the beginning of your um, desk or at your outside your office that says, all ideas are welcome, you know, and, and understanding that diversity isn't necessarily about color, race, and all that stuff. It's also about the mindset. People's ideas are diverse. How things can be done is diverse. And I think the results element, the, the third part of the R, the results, you know, having an idea in mind and going towards it and not having it perfect from the get-go, just cultivating those results through every day, through consistent action, understanding that if the goal's out there, to get to the goal, it's one step at a time, taking little chunks out. And, and I think that's what people get upset about um, when you talk about what you can do to, to make things happen, you know, those tips to just stay sane and, and be patient through that, those results because it is um, consistent action on the daily and daily will eventually be weeks and months and maybe that monthly results or the quarterly results. So those are the top three things that I'd recommend, just getting good relationships, um, cultivating a good um, reputation and, and working on the daily results because those will cultivate the end result, those goals that you're aiming for. Fabulous, I love that you've embraced the three hours and yeah, and it's, it's a really great model. I wonder where I picked it up from, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just so valuable and so useful. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with me today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for encouraging the dialogue. I mean, it's great that you and I are talking about this, but you know, starting that fire across the, the oceans, across the companies, for people really to think about psychological safety and how they can use this concept to, to normalize open and honest conversations throughout their days and make things work in their companies a lot smoother. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You've just been listening to Series 3 of Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Werry. If you've enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and go over to my website, eiexecutive.com.au and there you'll find all the other episodes from Series 1, 2 and 3. I wish you all the best.